1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. I'm joined today by my co-host, Diana Clark, and we are excited to welcome Thayer Cheatham-Willis to our podcast. Welcome, Thayer. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here with you. Well, I think the topic that you're going to discuss today is one that will be of real interest to our listeners and to those of of our audience members who are tuning in via video. So for the benefit of our audience, Thayer is a renowned author, speaker, therapist, and and expert in the area of wealth counseling. She identifies as a child of wealth herself um, and comes from a renowned family and has her master's um, in social work from Portland State University, and she's been a licensed clinical social worker for a long time. Her specialty is really in talking with families and inheritors about dealing with some of the psychological implications of inheriting wealth. Which I think is a really interesting and important area for those we serve. Um, she's also an author and she wrote a book that I absolutely love the title of. As somebody who has a hard time coming up with succinct yet intriguing titles, there, I think you've nailed it with this one. Um, her book is called Navigating the Dark Side of Wealth A Life Guide for Inheritors. And she has helped over 10,000 inheritors and their families in eight countries and four continents. Resolve wealth related family conflicts. So, again, welcome there. And I'd love to just jump right in with a question about how your own background helped inform the career that you chose to pursue.
0: It was a natural evolution. I grew up in a wealthy family my father started and his brothers started with nothing they were poor farm boys in rural virginia they started a little hard hardwood lumber company in georgia which grew and became georgia pacific corporation and they always considered themselves extremely fortunate they were very hard working and I also believed they were in the right place at the right time in many ways. So I grew up as the beneficiary of their financial resources and had many opportunities and took some things for granted and made some mistakes as I got older. And I mean, I did complete college education and, um, yet there were some other things that were much harder for me relationships communication i stumbled and really to make a long story short managed to get on my feet around age 30 and realized i would like to help others growing up in such situations to have the kinds of lives that we all dream of lives that work well and where we have um, meaningful work of some kind and meaningful relationships and, and um, many of the things that people dream of for years and yet they're elusive. And I was very fortunate that I got to make the steps to get that going well, and then wanted to help others. And that was when I went back to school and got the degree in clinical social work that I have used as a springboard for develop, developing psychotherapy skills and really also education uh, that, I, that I offer to individuals and families, um, wealthy, wealthy individuals and families, often like the ones that I grew up with and sometimes quite different.
2: Got it. So as a neophyte in this, tell me what exactly, tease out a little bit for us, what is wealth counseling and how does it actually enhance a family's relationship to wealth and the individuals in that family?
0: There is a broad range of what one can call wealth counseling. So it can be everything from identity, one's own identity to relationships and communication and having something meaningful to do in your life. For some people that is paid work, for some people it's volunteer work, for some people it's a more creative definition, but something that makes you excited to get up in the morning and something you're looking forward to. And it even encompasses legacy. So the individuals and families that I work with come to me with usually Uh, concerns in more so in one of those areas than another and that's where we start so it's very individual Um, I I don't know if you have any questions about what I call a broad range that makes wealth Mm -hmm. counseling the truth is sometimes people come to me because they think it's because of the financial wealth in their family or in their own lives Uh, but what I know is that their financial resources and the abundance of them, and sometimes the challenges of them will affect everything in their lives.
2: Right, that makes perfect sense. No, that it's important because you are covering a bunch of human domains when you're talking about it then. You're not talking about wealth, you're talking about humans and how (laughs) does wealth impact their lives? So I get that it's a broad range, yeah. Yes, in fact, that's how I define
0: wealth. Up until recently, maybe a hundred years ago, I I know I've read this, um, but it's not that long ago, a hundred years ago or so. um, Before that wealth was defined more broadly. It did mean health and relationships and family and love. And it meant all of that. It's only in um, our lifetimes and in recent history that it has come to mean the finances, uh, that it has acquired such a more narrow definition.
2: That's pretty sad, actually, when you think about it, isn't it?
0: It is. It is. So one of my missions is to broaden the definition of wealth for the people that I work with.
1: That's great. That sounds like That's a great. very noble mission. Absolutely. <laughs> well, one of the areas that I know we're constantly talking about with families and I think sounds so much easier for people to you know to do than it is to actually practice is the importance of stressing responsibility and values with small children. You know, as you know, we run a behavioral health company and one of the things when people ask us, you know, what can we do to avoid all of the types of tragedies that your firm deals with, we will say, you know, make sure to develop kids with a strong sense of values. But I think, again, it's, it's, it's great talk, but hard to implement at times. So how do you think about training or working within educating families in that process? That's a
0: great question. And I do sometimes have the opportunity to work with wealthy families on parenting. This happens, as you might imagine, when there are some young adults who have young children. And so really it's the same in wealthy families as it is in other fam- all other families to some extent. Um, It's important to exemplify values. Kids learn from what they see more so than from what parents say. And everybody's heard that, but I think a lot of people don't really take that to heart. It is very important to exemplify our values. So um, in some families, I have helped them implement implement some kind of giving communication community service that involves the children, if they value that, if it's a philanthropic family in the first place, yet maybe the parents mainly do all that on their own, then I will help them choose some causes where they can involve their kids and the kids can make a difference. And. So that would be an example of a value, but really it's in many ways, it's the same as it would be in any family to teach these values that you care about and take the trouble to make sure that these values are being, the family values are being shown and that kids have opportunities to learn them and not assume that they're just going to pick them up or that, the influence of their peers or the influence of the society in general, uh, will be somehow minimal. It sometimes is not minimal.
2: So we're sitting here in the midst of our global pandemic still. And I'm wondering (laughs) what are the ways your clients are reacting to this stress? What are you seeing in your practice?
0: there were some postponed retreats and family gatherings of all kinds reunions and meetings at first people were postponing and then families as you probably know or would expect uh, some went to using zoom and other video platforms and some even got their own private ones so that they would be entirely secure and people have been trying to make that work. Um, it's It's very difficult. I mean, it certainly financial resources don't insulate families from the those challenges um, that to some extent, it's the same as the challenges that everyone has. And yet the families who depend on regular meetings for um even for checking financial management also though, for other aspects of of family resources like health and philanthropy, which I mentioned earlier, and relationships. Um, that that's been very difficult. and um, people have tried to comply. some some actually, some of my clients have done some isolation, I think, more so than some other people have been able to do. They may have a mountain retreat or an island retreat, and they have been able, to go there but even that is not that satisfactory because people don't want to stay there indefinitely um, they mm. everyone's struggling to get back to what they consider to be their normal life so it, it's been challenging of course
1: absolutely well by the title of your book i assume that you encounter wealthy families that are not always at the peak of mental wellness so to speak so i'm curious how often you bump up against, whether it's now during the pandemic when I think all families are feeling heightened rates of anxiety, we know that substance use rates are off the charts. So whether it's now during these times or just in sort of more average times, do you bump into mental health and substance use and how do you navigate those situations with the families you serve?
0: Yes, I do bump into those concerns, of course. And because they're, that the stresses of life affect all families. And many times in wealthy families, those stresses are actually amplified. So yes, I bump into that. Uh, There's certainly the concern uh, over addictions and you and I have talked about this Arden. And as you know, I have referred some potential clients of mine to you because I, do screen for that. And I ask families who want to work with me, is there a family member who is struggling with addiction? And if so, I ask them to get that person help or get the person to get some help themselves. And then after that, I will work with them. What I found is that, and I learned this by experience early on, That when I have tried to work with a family where there isn't an addicted family member, it is an energy drain for the work. And that family member, as you know, is the focus of the family. And really, it is a waste of everybody's time and money to do the kind of education and improving um, interpersonal skills that, that I help families with if you have someone who is not able to participate yet they're sitting there trying to everybody's trying to believe that they can so that's not helpful but there's other kinds of mental health concerns that are pretty common like narcissism is pretty common i encounter that um more often than maybe would be in the general public and uh of course that is challenging and I sometimes have to educate family members about the best ways to manage themselves when there is a narcissist in the family, especially one who is at the helm so it can be that can be very hard uh, there's you know there's all kinds of of mental health concerns and fortunately because of my training, I do know how to diagnose I know how to recognize traits that are either already troublesome or will be for the family. And sometimes I help the family members
2: manage themselves. Well said. I appreciate your perspective. Um, As somebody who specializes in family systems around behavioral health, I see families with their heads underneath the tables. I won't see this or over-functioning on a daily basis. And the fact that you model for them, I'm not going to pursue something. I'm not going to put the cart before the horse and pursue something when it's not on the table yet. It shouldn't be addressed yeah. yet. And I really admire yeah. your, your smarts about that.
0: Well, I learned it by experience. Thank you. And I did learn it by experience because I don't want to waste anybody's, I don't want to waste the client's time or mine for that matter. And all it does is, irritate everybody. So I I just learned by experience to to explore
2: that beforehand. That's smart. (laughs) So with if you're dealing with wealth counseling, you must be encountering people who have not been successful at managing their wealth. What happens in how do you help people navigate a financial loss and recover from that?
0: That would most typically, among the families that I meet, that would most typically be a young adult. And Mm -hmm. because I mainly meet wealthy families. However, there certainly can be someone or maybe more than one person who has lost wealth, who maybe even has lost all or almost all of what they had. And honestly, it can be, a turning point for that person. It can be a new beginning that may sound harsh, but, um, you know, it, it can be time to take stock and to realize that we always have choices, always. And our lives are made up of the choices we make. So if I have gotten rid of all of my inherited wealth, then I can choose, to have a modest kind of job and support myself or I can choose however I'm going to behave. And you know it doesn't mean that your life is going to be bad after that. It just means that it will be different from what it was before and it could actually be better. So I really do, I believe that I'm an optimist and I do believe that people can get on their feet and do well, their circumstances may be, new and very different and maybe something that 20 years ago they wouldn't have thought they would be doing. And it's killed, it can be fine. It can be an adventure. It can be, uh, you know, it can be fulfilling and meaningful.
1: It's ironic as professionals who operate in different spheres, just how similar your philosophy is around this. I think one of the things Diana always says to our clients is that just because somebody winds up with, whether it's a mental health issue or a substance use issue, um, that all is not lost. And parents don't necessarily have to assume that a child's life is gonna be lesser for it that in fact, in many cases, they may come out a better human and have a bigger life because they admitted a specific diagnosis and got the care that they needed for it. And I always say that the folks I love most in this world, often many of them have been through some type of self-help program. And I don't think it's just because they have a diagnosis, but I think the way that you have to look at yourself when you admit your vulnerabilities and you go to accept help, it allows people to live a certain life of consideration. It allows them to put other people's feelings in front of their own. It allows them to think about the impact of their behavior. So it's just interesting to hear it reframed in a different way when you talk about it,
0: absolutely. I agree with everything you said. Yes. And you know, yes, of course, I'm not even surprised that that we would align in your work and or and my work. Um, and I mean, we learn that, Uh, people can thrive wherever they are. And I mean, just like with me, how I learned to take the ways that I stumbled and made mistakes in my 20s, which um, when I tell my story, I'm sure Arden, you've heard me tell my story. um, I go into some of the specifics of it. And it was most, I mean, I didn't do anything illegal, but it was, you know, um, in and out of relationships and people that I hurt without ever really meaning to, hurt people i was just so focused on what i wanted and eventually realized that wasn't working so i was able to turn around and take those mistakes and use them to help me to help others and to encourage others with look if i got on my feet your you can too or your kid can too and all it takes it's just attitude yeah
1: Well, I have a question that I think we like to always give a very difficult question to the guest. And if I know one guest who's up for the task, it's you. (laughs) Um, But, you know, what do you do in a situation? And we bump up against this, too, when, you know, you're hired by a family member and they have a child who's either their investments, their life philosophy, something about the way they're living their life doesn't align with the values of the matriarch and the patriarch. Sort of how do you navigate that situation? And I always say it with the context of typically the quote unquote client, um, we view it as the whole family, but we're often being paid by someone who may have their own opinions as to the goals of the assignment. So I'm curious how you deal with a sensitive situation like that.
0: Well, you made a lot of good points there. And one is that I, I also uh, regard my client as the person who is paying me. Sometimes they will say that, they're, that they want my client to be the whole family. Usually that's not said. And so there is a certain um, respect for the person who is paying me. And yet at the same time, certainly if... Um, there is a an offspring a child or a grandchild who is doing some kind of work or making investments that uh, don't doesn't fit with the parents or the grandparents values Um, I do my best to help the older generation understand that these young people have their own journey and they come into this world with their own journey to make and we have there are dreams for our children and grandchildren, yet um it really is that that young person's right to have their own life. And I, I mean, if they as long as they're what they're doing is legal, I think if they've crossed over into illegal activity, that's different. And I don't know if that's what you're referring to, but If it's just a matter of, you know, being an environmentalist or something and the other the rest of the family isn't. I mean, I I I would definitely push for acceptance of this young person having their choices to make.
1: Me too. You definitely raise an interesting point. No, I think We were referring to just the types of situations you're describing when it's when it ventures into the illegal. I almost think the choice is simpler because you're trying to figure out the way to make a behavior stop Um, where things get a, a little bit, I think, more confusing from an advisor standpoint and for families is when the person is just living a different life than what the families had envisioned. And whatever that means, we've had families who are on, you know, part of the families on one side of the political spectrum, other parts of the yeah. family are on a different side. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's choosing a career path that parents vehemently disagree with. They're not choosing to be in the family business, whatever the scenario. And we have families with, uh, ooh, excuse us. We have a little bit of a dog uh, dogfight here in the background, but- um, but we have families who choose all sorts of different responses in terms of dealing with situations like that. So um, I think your answer was perfect.
0: Well, Thank you. it's true. You know, you're, you're very welcome. And it's true that families do deal with that in many different ways. And really a professional can help the older generation see that these young people, you know, open the doors, open the doors, let them be themselves. And really that's better for everybody.
2: A lovely sentiment when I think about it, you know, let them be, let them learn, let them grow
1: up. Yeah. Let them fall.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yes, all of that.
1: Even the image of opening the doors, I think it's such a good uh, welcoming, um invitational idea Uh, and I think many families what we find is that oftentimes the differences are not nearly as wide and vast as the families assume they are Um, but because if somebody's somebody's very rigid they sort of stick in their corner and that prompts uh, a similar reaction especially from children um and so then you wind up sort of stuck whereas if you're able to have a conversation about it and meet somewhere even if you agree to disagree it's oftentimes a lot less significant than people assume it is going into it
0: and you can even say i find this challenging i find what you're doing challenging i'm willing to be as accepting as i can and let you find your way and i'm glad that you are going after this what you love and wanting to do it and um i i I admit it's hard for me and that's okay i i'm on your side yeah
1: i love the vulnerability of that there thank you so much for your warmth and your comments and your expertise and sharing you know what it's like to sort of navigate these family dynamics in wealthy families i know our listeners have learned a lot today we really appreciate your participation
0: oh well you're very welcome and i'm Oh, you're very welcome too, Diana. And I and I'm delighted that we got to have this
1: discussion. Me too. Well thank thank you, Diana, and thank you to all of our listeners and our viewers today. If you're so inclined, please like us or send a positive review on your podcast platform of choice. And we hope you'll listen into our next episode. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit beyondthebalance to read more about our guests and resources and sign up for our newsletter.